Hey now, we're doing it live. You're listening to the Julio from New York Show 2.0, episode 115, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Recorded live on Thursday, December 26, 2019. This here is my audio diaries, where I rant, I rave, I reminisce, and I spew whatever is on my mind. As the title suggests, this is a spoiler episode, so if you don't want to be spoiled on the movie Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, I suggest you skip this episode for a later date. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and unwind. Today's episode will of course be about this movie and a couple of other things that had happened in between and afterwards. Heart and soul of New York City. Anyways, I, I can't get. I'm looking forward to this recording. As soon as the uh, music stops, we'll get right into it. It'll probably be a short episode since there really isn't that much to talk about except the movie and a couple little things here and there. And welcome back to the show. Once again, I am your host, Julio from New York. This is episode 115, and we're recording live on Thursday, December 26, 2019. So as I already mentioned, this is a spoiler alert episode. This will be about the movie Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. If you don't want to be spoiled on it, I suggest stop playing this episode now and come back when you've watched the movie. Anyways, uh, before we get into it, I got some corrections and retractions. So here we go. That is the sound of a correction and retraction in the making. So in last week's episode, or the last episode, I should say, I've mentioned that uh, Tim Curry was dead. And I am actually incorrect. Tim Curry is not dead. He is, in fact, very much alive. However, he did suffer a stroke back in 2012. And people were worried about him dying because of the stroke, but he came out of it. He's obviously uh, in bad health. He's paralyzed, so he's not doing any more uh, physical acting. But I think he's still doing voiceover work. So the guy is very much alive. And um, yeah. So that is the correction and retraction that I'm making from the previous episode. So let's close up that segment right now with another trombone. And uh, we are moving on. So, I, as I mentioned, I did see the movie Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the final installment of the nine-part saga of Star Wars. It started back in, I want to say, 77 was the very first original movie, which was actually episode three. But I digress. Um, first off, I want to talk about the space, the place that I went to watch the movie. It, it's a place called Alamo Draft House, as in like never forget the Alamo. So I guess they have a I don't know why they got they came with the name Alamo Draft House, but whatever. It's uh it's a nice little movie place. Um you get to order food in while you're watching the movie. So you get a night you have like this wooden table in front of you and you can like have a, a dinner and movie experience all encompassing, which is kind of cool. Um one cool feature about the uh place, they're uh they're going for a movie lovers atmosphere, so to speak. So there's like all these like vintage posters lining up the walls from movie posters in different countries. So for instance, I guess because Star Wars is the big movie right now. So there's a bunch of posters from different ver versions of the Star Wars 
posters from like France or Germany or Russia or China. So it's kind of cool to see how a movie that's marketed in the, in the U.S., how they change up the marketing in a different country with the font and the images that they use to portray the film. And uh, of course, there's a lot of um, horror films and 1960s and noir movie uh, memorabilia all over the place as well. There's a interesting bar. I think it's called the House of Wax or something. So there's like a bunch of wax heads that lead you to this uh, this bar. But of course, it was closed when we went to see the film. Me and a, a friend, a coworker. So we uh, we we got the the film that the filming was at 3 p.m. So we got there and the bar was gonna gonna open until four, and this is Christmas Day. So we were shocked that we even had a chance to watch a movie on Christmas because most I mean everything in the mall where this uh, Alamo Draft House movie theater chain uh, is located was all closed. Everything was closed but the movie theater, and at the moment the bar the bar opened when we came out, but we were already done with our uh, festivities for the night. But anyways. They have a lot of, um, they sold vinyl. They, they, they're really going for like a niche kind of vibe. So they, had, they sold vinyl. They had a lot of like uh, totem toys, I guess, so to speak, in, in the shape of totems, but of like Cthulhu and Godzilla. They had a lot of uh, plush toys of Cthulhu and Godzilla and like a lot, of, a lot of Harbor stuff like Mike Myers and Alfred Hitchcock. They had some dolls of him. But one thing that popped out at me was this movie by um, this, uh, the father of African film called Black Girl. And the reason why it popped out at me is because this semester in school, I had a class called Images of Resistance, where the teacher showed us a bunch of different films that were completely different from any type of film or docu documentaries that I've seen ever. And that, that was the whole purpose of the, of, the, of the class. It wasn't just about protesting imperialism or colonialism it was also about the um the the orthodoxy of of filmmaking that that currently dominates uh the film industry so to speak and anyway one of the films that we saw in the uh later third of the semester was uh black girl by um i forget the first guy the his first name his last name is saben you know what let me look this up uh african filmmaker Director Usman Seben, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of the name, but yeah, Usman Seben made the movie Black Girl back in 1966. It is um, a take of French neorealism, uh, but with uh, African undertones, of course, and symbolism. And anyway, this movie was definitely one of the first films that really captured me uh, in this class, and all of all of the all of the films in this class in general were hard to uh, uh, cough cough torrent <laughs> cough cough <laughs> because um, they're just not many people have them and if you look for them on like video direct sites like Vudu or Amazon or or iTunes I couldn't find them there either on Amazon I could find a couple of DVDs but they were for like a hundred dollars or something so it was ridiculously priced. But uh, lo and behold, I saw a Blu-ray copy of this, uh, a Blu-ray Criterion Collection copy of Black Girl right there in front of me, alongside a bunch of other Blu-rays uh, Blu uh, of other films that, uh, I mean, some were obscure, some were pop, you know, mainstream, but this one was just like, it was the only copy, it was there, it was 35 bucks, and 
uh, let me see. I have my receipt here, right? Do I? Uh, no, I don't have the receipt anymore. Well, anyways, I, um, yeah, I, I could not resist but buy it. So I bought it. So now I have in my collection a copy of uh, Black Girl, which is kind of cool because uh, this, this is definitely a nice reminder of this wonderful class I took that definitely was out of the box. It showed me a different side of filmmaking that I never would have uh, been privy to had I not taken this course. And uh, yeah, I will cherish this uh, memory. And I have this movie to watch to uh, perpetuate and continue that memory on in my life. But anyway, on to the meat of this episode, which is, of course, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So I saw the movie The Rise of Skywalker. And like the last one that I saw a couple of days ago, which was the previous film, The Last Jedi on Netflix, I, um, I liked it. It was an okay movie. It wasn't, uh, it's not an Oscar winner by any stretch of the means. It's, a, it's an action fantasy film. It, even though it's in space, it's not really sci-fi. I would never ever label Star Wars a sci-fi franchise. It's definitely a fantasy in space franchise because they deal with magic and mysticism. And uh, yeah, there are spaceships there, but they don't ever go into the the science behind the uh, the life, you know, the whatever, the technology that's used there, they don't ever go into the detail of it. And because it's not necessary, that's not the part of the film that that's not, it, it, it doesn't have any relevance to the story. The story is about, you know, the bad guys, the empire trying to vanquish the resistance and kill off any Jedis or any remaining Jedis and try to destroy the force, not realizing that the force is basically the cosmos. It's it's all the energy around you. It's everything. You know. It's it's a spiritual. It's spiritualism. Obviously, it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, the forces, nature. It's it's space. It's air. It's it's what you breathe and see and hear and feel. It's everything around you. You you cannot escape the force. The force is part of the nature of the world. So this girl, Ray, um, trying to remember her. They never gave her a, a last name. They just called her Ray. But. It turns out, you know, since the first part of this um, of this set of trilogies, these last set of trilogies, uh, episode, this would be episode nine, so eight, episode seven. I think it was the Force Awakens or Force Reawakens or whatever. Um, you know, when you first introduced to Rey, she's a scavenger living in uh, Jakor, whatever the name of the island, uh, the planet that she was on. She was orphaned. And she did not know her family origins, but all of a sudden the, the force is awakened in her when she sees a, the saber, a, a lightsaber, which happens to be um, Luke's lightsaber. And, um, you know, and, and hijinks can, you know, ensues. And of course you have this uh, stormtrooper who, um, I don't know, awakens from his, uh, Finn was his name. He awakens from his uh, conditioning or training or whatever, and he decides to to jump ship, to not be a stormtrooper anymore. And he joins the resistance. And of course he has an infatuation for Ray. And then at the end of that first movie, she goes and she pursues to, you know, she's looking for Luke Skywalker. She joins, you know, and of course, you know, Han Solo dies from at the hands of her, of his uh, son, Kylo Ren, whose real name is Ben Skywalker or Ben Solo because of his father, Han Solo. Um, the son of uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo. Anyways, 
uh, where, where was I going with this? So, yeah, my point is um, the movie, this last one, it turns out that she's actually a Palpatine. And for Star Wars fans out there, the biggest enemy, the, the, the enemy that's always been the enemy since the original three movies was uh, Emperor Palpatine, who was Darth Vader's uh, master. And uh, supposedly in Return of the Jedi, which was episode, uh, what, six, three, Empire Strikes Back is four, episode five, he was, uh, you know, thrown off a cliff by Darth Vader before then Darth Vader died. And he, um, we thought that was the end of him. But apparently he shows up in this movie out of the blue. And essentially this is a retelling of Return of the Jedi. Which uh, people were kind of upset with uh, The Force Awakens, uh, which was the reboot of this whole franchise, which was, you know, episode, um, uh, what was it again? Seven? Because it's episode nine, so eight, seven. Episode seven. People were upset about that because they thought of it as a, a remake of the original Star Wars, A New Hope. And, um, well, considering that J.J. Abrams was the director of that one as well, it only makes sense that <laughs> him taking back this one, he would only kind of, like, rework uh, Ret a Return of the Jedi um, story as well. And, of course, the Ewoks do make a cameo uh, towards the end of the movie, which is kind of a nod to Return of the Jedi. But anyway, the reason why I say it's sort of a remake, because, again, you, once again, the bad guy at the end is, once again, General Palpatine. And in uh, Return of the Jedi, who kills uh, Palpatine, but um, Darth Vader, um, obviously behind his back, he you know he he uh, gets him from behind, catches him off guard, and throws him off the cliff. In this one, uh, Rey is the one who ends up beating him, but it's because uh, uh, number one, she's his daughter, his granddaughter, I should say. Uh, so one of her parents is his uh, son or daughter. And uh, she has two lightsabers and, you know, the force like completely awakens in her when she's uh, in her final breaths or whatever. She's unconscious on the floor and all of a she's uh, in the beginning of the of the movie. You see her, you know, doing the meditation, floating and levitating with rocks all around her. And she's trying to communicate with the force and connect with all of the dead spirits of all the you know Jedis before her. And she wasn't able to speak to any of them. And when she goes back uh, somewhere towards the last third of the movie, I want to say, when she, she decides, when she realizes, when she finds out that she is, a, in fact, Palpatine's granddaughter, um, her fear scares her off and forces her to, uh, to decide to banish herself in the island where she found Luke Skywalker. And of course, Luke died in the last movie, The Last Jedi, so his spirit is still in that island. And uh, he convinces her, like, no, that that is, it, what what it is to be a Jedi is to confront your fear, which is ironic because um, uh, that's not what Luke did in the in in that movie. He obviously banished himself in hiding because of his fear of what was to be and what was what happened. So for him to give him to give that advice to Ray, who was supposed to be her his student is ironic because, you know, he should have followed his own advice, which I, I guess in the end he did, but, you know, at the cost of his life in The Last Jedi. So that's the first spirit that she was able to com uh, communicate with. So now in the end, she's dying, and all of a sudden all the spirits of the Jedis are talking to her and, like, motivating her and pushing her to get back up and, and fight 
general uh, emperor palpatine and of course you know he she defeats him he gets disintegrated because uh, she bounces his uh, electric rays right back at him and uh but then that that i guess is um was her final breaths too because she dies or she passes out or whatever and uh skylo or kylo ren or or ben solo whatever you want to call him adam driver is uh climbing back up the cliff because he was thrown off the cliff to uh to die uh, because, um, well, Palpatine doesn't like Skywalkers, and he is a Skywalker slash Solo because, you know, his mother's a Skywalker, his father's a Solo, and uh, he had enough of them. So he threw her, he threw uh, him off the cliff, uh, but apparently he didn't die because he was uh, pulling himself up. He had a broken leg. He's dragging himself up to uh, to Ray's body, and uh, the way Ray healed her, healed him earlier in the movie in the in the part where she discovered that she was a palpatine uh he does the same he um uses his life force to heal her or, or bring her back to life or, or resuscitate her or whatever you want to call it um they kiss he smiles and now he dies because i guess uh he had to use up his remaining life force to um bring her back to life so now she's the last jedi and that's the end of him and um, and that's essentially the end of the movie. The, uh, the the Empire falls once again, and then they all go back to their uh, resistance planet to celebrate. And you know everyone's in celebration. And uh, that is the end of that saga, essentially. Now back to what I was originally saying. I believe I was saying about the inconsistencies of the movie. And um, if you're a Star Wars fan, or I wouldn't call myself a fan. I like them. But I don't know them inside out. I couldn't remember. I couldn't. Res- um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't have any quotes memorized. I wouldn't be able to retell the story in detail. I wouldn't be able to recant famous dialogue or anything like that. And um, but what I can tell you is, you know, I, I've enjoyed the movies. They're all. With the exception of the prequels, I do not like the original three, not the original three movies, the the um, first three episodes, which came obviously in the 90s, I want to say is when they the, the episodes one through three came out because Lucas just couldn't resist it. And he, he decided he wanted to make the original three movies into a nine part saga. Apparently, that was always the, the, uh, the case, which is why uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, which eventually got renamed to Star Wars A New Hope always had episode three on it, which I never noticed, but whatever. Um, he made the prequels. Jar Jar Binks was the bane of everyone's existence and so on. That aside, let's, 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 uh, let's table that uh, for now, because that's not, that's not important to the conversation at hand. What I want to say about Star Wars is there's, there have always been loopholes to Star Wars, because again, this is not a science fiction uh, movie this is i mean it's 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 misleading because you see it's in space uh you have robots you have uh you know um technology future technology obviously because you're in space you need spaceships you need uh robots you need drones you need battle armor you need lasers but you also have these lightsabers these laser swords or whatever you want to call them and they those are powered by Jedi's or Sith's, Sith Lords, which have the opposite uh, power of uh, the Force or whatever. It's the you know the um, the other end of the spectrum, if you will. And uh, the Force is this magical, well, not magical. It's this mystical power, which apparently is 
the cosmos. It's, it's everything around you. And um, so because and, and then in the episode one or two or whatever, they, they were trying to make it more sci fi by talking about metachlorians or metachlorians or whatever you want to call it. It's supposed to be these levels of um, something that humans have that, that Jedis have in them that make up the power of the force in them. But obviously, um, th that in that definition or that rule, if you will, has since been washed off, especially in The Last Jedi, because uh, when Luke is teaching Rey about being a Jedi, he was he basically said, like, you know, forget all that nonsense about floating rocks and, you know, fighting with a lightsaber and all this stuff. And then he he goes into that more mystical philosophy that I mentioned. It's, it's, it's all, it's everything around you. It's not just being able to fly or float or, or command people's minds or use a lightsaber or any of those things. It's, it's uh, it's just, it's the power that's all around you and you just have to be able to tap into it. So obviously the force is not in you, it's around you and you have to, uh, I guess, find the frequency to connect with it and then use it. And, and, be, and so with that, flexible definition they're very flexible in how the force is used because you'll see scenes where um for instance when ray was climbing on the death star she's struggling to climb up to the top but then when she's fighting um kylo ren at the top all of a sudden they're jumping three feet in the air or 30 feet in the air and, and floating and like flying essentially and doing all these crazy antics that she could have done in the beginning instead of like struggling with human power, uh, with, with just like mortal strength to climb up this thing. She could have just been bouncing up, up off the sides of the walls and getting up there just using the force, but apparently she couldn't. And again, uh, later in the scene, uh, later in the movie, Kylo Ren, uh, you know, he climbs down to the pits to, to try to rescue Ray instead of using the force to like float down there. So it's, they're very wishy-washy about the use of the force. And also they're because of that, they're very wishy-washy about how things happen in the movie. It's, it's very, there's, I mean, you can call it plot holes if you want. Uh, but the f fact of the matter is they, that that's the one consistency about all the star Wars movies is that they leave these gaping, quote-unquote plot holes uh because of the fact of the matter that it's it's always been sort of bad writing <laughs> it's not about it's not about the um consistency of the writing it's about the the experience of the story i think that's what lucas has always been about he's always been about the fantasy of it the the, fan, the fantastical of it of the hero's journey he didn't really care about the logistics of it. And so there's always been inconsistencies. For instance, the original Jedis, if you go through episodes uh, one through three, the original, uh, not the original, the uh, what, we, what we, everyone else calls the prequels, because the original three is the original three, and then you have the prequels, which is episodes one through three. So let's call them the prequels, because that's what they were, because they were, those were not the first movies. The first movies were apparently episodes three, uh, four and five. So the prequels, um, they talk about how Jedis have to go through years and years of training and, and all that stuff. They, they, there was a Jedi Academy. But obviously, um, by Star Wars New Hope, the Academy doesn't exist. And Yoda trains Luke Skywalker. 
And so they go through, I want to say months of training instead of years. They, they don't have years. They go through months. But then Luke also preemptively cuts his training short because he, he has to uh, rescue. I forget. He leaves the island, the, the planet that him and Yoda escaped to, to, I think, rescue Princess Leia or, or, uh, or somebody. He, he, wanted to, he, he had to rescue somebody. I forget who. And um, so he leaves. And then, of course, his arm, his hand gets cut off and then he comes back and he, he finishes his training or whatever. Now, uh, Ray, she even has less time training. She trains maybe two, two, at most a month, maybe, if that much. And then she does a little bit of training here and there in this movie. So maybe two months training altogether, which is even less than Luke. And yet she's the, well, she's the last Jedi, but she's still just as powerful as, as the other Jedis, if not uh, more so. Because she also she also has apparently she also has Palpatine power because she can also do the 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 lightning rays if she wanted to but she doesn't always tap into that power because that that power frightens her and apparently that's Sith power which they never ever really explain the Sith the Siths in these movies either apparently that that's more in the cartoon the Clone Wars which I guess I can check out and get more information about that but it doesn't matter because again it's not about the consistency of the story it's it's always about the fantastical about it. The hero's journey is what they really care about. In this case, it was about Ridley. This girl, she's an orphan. And she's helping this greater cause against these great odds. And she's also trying to find out who she is as a person and her identity. And she's afraid of what she might find out. And it turns out that she kind of knew who she was, but she was blocking it from her memory. But now she's confronting it. And it's this awful fact. She is Palpatine's granddaughter and she's afraid she'll become like him. But it's not about who you're born. It's not about uh, it's not about your nature. It's about nurture. It's, you know, this is the argument of nurture versus nature. And obviously, because she was raised a Jedi um, and raised uh, by Sky by Skywalkers, she doesn't have to um, let the Palpatine blood in her control her, so to speak, which is why at the end. She um when she goes back to her the planet uh the planet she came from in the uh, the Force Awakens or whatever, uh, Jarku or whatever I think is the name of the uh, planet. I keep saying island. I don't know why, but the planet. Um, so she goes she goes back, she goes back to her her home, her original home in the first movie that we see her in, and some woman comes by. She's like, "Who are you? I haven't seen anyone around here forever." And like, "What's your name?" She's like, "I am Ray Skywalker." So she goes, but she's you know, continuing the name Skywalker, even though that's not her name, that's, uh, I guess, her adopted name. And that is essentially, well, I forget where I was going with. Oh, oh yeah. So, so I mean, that, that is what Star Wars is about. It's about that part of the story. Like, oh, uh, yeah, it's about those fun, those, those fun feelings you get and you feel. It's not really about the consistency of it. Like, try, you're going to have to suspend your belief to the utmost degree if you want to enjoy these films because these films are not meant to be deep really they're not meant to be um they're meant to be inspirational and just fun popcorn entertainment that that's really all these films are about nothing more than that and yeah that's really all i have uh left to say about that uh luke not Luke. Um, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. The final chapter of this nine-part saga is, uh, you know, it was a good movie. It was entertaining. They had a lot of good graphics. They had a lot of uh, fun 
elements to it. There's some cam. Um, Lando comes back, so you get to see him. Uh, Luke Skywalker comes back in in the form of a ghost. Harrison Ford, uh, Han Solo, Harrison Ford comes back in a form of a ghost. Princess Leia is uh, still around until she dies. You know, they had a couple of these guys. Yoda didn't show up in this one like he did in The Last Jedi, which, you know, that was another deus ex machina kind of uh, plot point. But again, if you're going to go into these movies with a critical eye, you're going to find a lot of uh, holes. That's just every that's every Star Wars film, though. You can't expect um, consistency because they're never consistent. They're always going to be wishy-washy about the details. It's not about the details. It's about the journey. And that's that's what, that's how I saw these films. I saw them with, well, especially The Force Awakens because the, the prequels, as I like to call them, they were completely dreadful. I only saw two of them. I saw episode one and three. I didn't even bother with the, uh, the second one, which I think is called Battle of the Clones or whatever because I heard that was the worst one. So I decided, well, if everyone's saying it's the worst one, I'm going to avoid it. And uh, so I saw episodes one and three where you see how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. So when Force Awakens came out, I came, I went in there with the lowest of expectations. And for me, it was a great uh, reboot to the, to, this, uh, to, the, to the franchise. And a lot of people hated it because they saw it as a remake of Star Wars, uh, a, um, a hero reborn or a star reborn. I forgot, I already forgot. A New, a New Hope, that's what it's called, A New Hope. And, um, and so those same people will obviously see this one, another J.J. Abrams direction, um, as probably a remake of Return of the Jedi, which I definitely see, especially with the, <laughs> the little cameo of the Ewoks. So for those people, they're going to hate that. For me, with the lowest of expectations, it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I had a nice uh, burger while I was watching it and some peanut cookies that were great. The Alamo Draft House is a great franchise to see a movie in. I recommend you check it out. I will have a link to their webpage. So uh, if there's an Alamo Draft House near you, uh, definitely give it a watch. Uh, give it a some patronage. And um, we're at the 30-minute mark, so to speak. And that's really all I have to say about that. So if you have any questions, comments, what have you, you can always reach me at my webpage, juliofromnewyorkshow.com. Go to the contact section of my website and write to me there. Or, of course, you can find me on Twitter at juliofromny and write to me there as well. So until next time, thank you for listening.